We are The Purposeful Project. We help entrepreneurs for free. Welcome to today's pep talk, where we'll take just 20 minutes to interview leading experts from around the world who share actionable know-how, insights and life lessons. To hear these incredible insights, follow us on Spotify, Apple Music or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Or you can simply visit thepurposefulproject.com, sign up to our mailing list and get the podcast in your inbox every single week. So thank you for joining us today. And today we've got Chris Goodfellow. Chris is the founder of uh, an agency called Inkwell. So um, Chris, do you want to give us a bit of an introduction to yourself and, uh, and an introduction to Inkwell? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Um, so Inkwell is a content marketing agency and we specialize in creating educational content for entrepreneurs. Um, what that means is we work from everybody from bigger brands like a Deloitte or Microsoft through to scale-ups and even universities, basically anybody that wants to reach and support small business owners. Um, we also run The Pitch, which is a UK-wide uh, pitching competition. Fantastic. So, so um, w- when did you start Inkwell? And I, 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 it's the question I ask all the people on this this podcast is what was the... What was the spark? What get you got you going yeah. in the first place? Yeah, it's the pitch. To be honest, like we, um, I ran the pitch as an employee, or well, helped run, let's say, the pitch as an employee. I was involved, and over the years in my previous role uh, before starting Inkwell, I'd I'd met so many entrepreneurs, both both as a business journalist and through helping out with the pitch. Um, and then when I got made redundant, we had the opportunity to take that brand on, and I just think that. You know, even in the months before that, we, we were kind of plotting and scheming and we wanted to get out and do our own thing. And it was just meeting so many entrepreneurs that kind of fired that that kind of spirit, that um, desire to start my own thing. I kept meeting all these people doing these amazing things and eventually just wanted to do it for myself. Right, right. Well, that's, that's fascinating. So can you just tell us a bit more about the pitch? Because it sounds like that's sort of important context for how you kind of got started in the first place. Yes, yeah, so the pitch has been around for about 14 years now. Uh, we've been running it for the last four years. Um, it's a UK wide pitching competition. So in non COVID times, we go all around the country to hear founders pitch before having a, a sort of a final in London. Um, and we also provide a lot of coaching and support for the people that are shortlisted for the program. So it's obviously working on your pitch, but also help with deck, finances, marketing, all of that stuff. And it's completely free for the few hundred startups we have on the program each year. So that, I mean, that's, that's incredible. So, I mean, in terms of what people are generally pitching, is it is it their idea? Are they? Is it sort of looking for fun? Is it sort of a, a variety of things? Are they sort of practicing in terms of, you know, pitching their proposition to 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 you um, before they kind of go out on the road with it or what? Yeah. So almost everyone that enters wants to raise investment. Okay, so it's um, quite investment focused. Then. It is, yeah. But I think just generally, like working on your pitch does help develop your proposition, and it's also something that you're going to use. I mean, you might not use the night second pitch in every meeting that you have, um, but just getting used to talking about your business, whether it's when you're selling or trying to convince an employee to join the company or a partner, like it's just a really useful skill to have, and it's a great way to build your confidence too. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's, it's amazing, actually, because, you know, when people set up businesses, they've often got that brilliant idea, but then translating that into something that other people can kind of understand is, 
is actually quite difficult. So, you know, someone um, advised me a long time ago when you're sort of thinking through your kind of business proposition is is sort of pitch it to as many people as you possibly can because, you know, all the feedback's important. So, I mean, my, my family are kind of sick and tired of hearing me kind of pitch stuff. So actually going out and then doing it to a room full of strangers, I think, is 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 really powerful as well. So but but I think, you know, beyond practice, you're then offering sort of practical advice and support, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're you're bang on with the the sort of practicing, like, you know, even for me to explain what Inkwell does, which is fairly complicated, you know, it's taken me a couple of years to be able to say that in a succinct way, and I'm not even sure I've nailed it yet. Um, but yeah, we, we do, we, everybody that takes part does the pitch coaching. Um, so that means they get free time with a, an expert pitch coach. Um, and then they also get, if they want to, they can do other sessions, as I say, on deck workshops, things like that. Um, and, and, you know, we want to plug as many partners into that ecosystem as possible to get that specialist advice. No, I, I, that, that, that sounds great. I mean, it's often, I guess, people don't quite know where to turn to get that sort of practical views on, you know, I guess everything from like how you articulate propositions, you know, that, 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 what's that thing, the elevator pitch through to, um, you know, what your slides look like. So having that practical advice, I think is, is amazing. So, I mean, you, you run it as a competition. Have you got sort of a, a variety of judges out there who kind of support? Are they also mentoring as well? So how, how does that side of things work? Yeah, so the, the semi-final judges are all um, active angel investors. So they're people that are making seed investments. Um, and we try and make it as diverse as possible in terms of their specialisms and backgrounds. So the types of startups that they, they invest in. Um, and then the final judges are generally um, sort of well-known entrepreneurs. So Simon Squibb obviously built this podcast and the Purposeful Project is a judge at the final next Thursday. Um, and they, they are all generally entrepreneurs that have had sort of successful exits and are now in the mode of, of giving back and kind of they might still run businesses or they might be starting something new, but they generally had an exit and, and want to support other startups. So we've had all sorts of founders over the years from... Um, people that started businesses like Fitness First or Jimmy's Ice Coffee um, through to more sort of tech oriented businesses like Crowdcube. Um, so yeah, real range, but it's always those people that have had a lot of success and then they're trying to give back. Um, and they, they normally pledge, well, everyone so far has pledged time for the community as well. So not only do they judge on the night, but they'll have follow-up calls with the finalists as well. Well, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, again, I think... Um... You know, when you look in the UK compared to places like the US, we're not at school taught things necessarily around kind of speaking in public and pitching and things like that. So, you know, to know that there's sort of support out there for for people, I think is is absolutely fantastic. And uh, so I presume, you, you know, it sounds like this year's uh, is almost drawing to a close, but I presume you'll be running it from next year. So you know, if people are interested, how, how could they get involved in that? Yeah, just, just go on the website. Um, right now, the enter the pitch page is, is just kind of like a sign up um, and you, we'll, we'll send you a note when, when applications open next year. Um, so if you just Google the pitch, you'll find us. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Well, listen, let's, let's go back to Inkwell. So, so Inkwell came out of, um, 
you you were in a previous business, and I think um, you said there was a redundancy there, and then you started Inkwell. So, did you did you sort of go walk out the door and then sort of start the agency the following day, or or, or how did that transpire? And was it you on your own, or were there other people around you to kind of help? Yeah. So there's a few things there. So we we were kind of plotting and scheming before the redundancy, probably for almost you know six months, I think we were having meetings and we really wanted to step out. So the redundancy was just a good kick up the arse to actually do it. Um, and I, yeah, and I, I started it originally with my co-founder or business partner then, Ewan, who I ended up buying out, but we did it for a year together as a side hustle. Um, and that, right. you know that's sort of a common route in low risk. We didn't take any money out and we did it sort of one, two days a week and just kind of got the pitch away. Um, after a year, I decided to go full time on it, and that's when the kind of more marketing agency side of it started up. So we kept the pitch running. I bought you in out, and then l- launched the content marketing agency. And effectively, that was just me kind of saying, you know, I'd been a business journalist by trade, then got into the content marketing side of it, and then, like a lot of founders, I guess, kind of looked around my industry and thought that I could do. Uh, a bet, not necessarily a better version, but I wanted to you know, do, do best in class content um, with this audience specialism, um, and that that kind of led to the the agency side of it. And the two kind of go really nicely hand in hand because we, you know, we're running a product, we're running marketing campaigns for ourselves, um, we're meeting a lot of entrepreneurs through the pitch, as well as doing a lot of educational content for clients aimed at pretty much the same audience. So your your I mean, I was going to say poacher and gamekeeper, but that's probably the wrong way to describe it. So you're basically supporting entrepreneurs in terms of how they articulate themselves through content to the world, but also then supporting large corporations in terms of how they talk to that particular community. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we know the challenges of small business owners intimately you know we are a small business ourselves um, we run the pitch and we write you know anywhere from sort of 30 40,000 words for that audience a month um, so when it when it comes to working with a brand like pipe drive or somebody like that you know we we know how to write for this audience we know what their challenges are and all content marketing should start with the audience's challenges yeah, I mean, I think people often forget that. So, um, you know, I was just looking at something on LinkedIn about uh, someone who's written a piece on on how bad companies are sort of targeting businesses around credit cards, for instance, and the hyperbole, which and the sort of the, 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 the bank speak, which kind of comes out in that. So, you know, I couldn't agree more that actually, you know, having insight to the audience and then finding ways to kind of connect with them is 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 kind of critical. So I I just um wanted to ask you about sort of I guess the founding of the business. So it sounds like you, you know, I mean I was in a situation where I started a business and my founder left after basically a year as well. And I I, I found that quite an interesting process in its own right. And um you know, we remain good friends to this day, but it was um, it was sort of for me unexpected. So, you know, would you sort of mind just sort of talking through that? Because, again, I think when people found businesses, um, you know, they often do it with with other people. And, you know, sometimes the, those things just don't work out and that's absolutely fine. But it's just um, something that people don't often talk about. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, in hindsight, <clears throat> similar to yourself, you know, we're, we're still friends and it's always nice, you know, to get messages from Ewan when he sees us doing stuff at the pitch and, and hopefully I can support him a bit too. Um, but yeah, I think we, he actually started two businesses at the same time and it just kind of ended up being that he couldn't focus 100% on, okay. on two. You know, and, and for me, it was like, you know, I wanted to be 100% in. So from a time perspective, it just didn't really work. And like, I think, you know, like I'm sure you experienced, there was definitely like a sticky few months working that out. Um, I'll speak for myself when I say, you know, there is, it's really hard to get emotion out of business. And in some ways, I don't think you should completely, but, you know, eventually you do need to try and be a bit more logical and about it um, and a bit more honest about it and hopefully just just put your ego aside a little bit because it's so much tied up in this but I think the reality is you know a year in you, you're not really talking about much you know as a business you probably actually haven't done that much but you're so tied into it and invested that it is hard to have those conversations um, yeah I, I don't know what else well, it's, uh, yeah so thank you I mean I it's it's often quite a delicate subject I mean for me I mean, I was sort of suddenly hit by um, the fact that actually my my partner was being very honest. He just didn't see the same things as yeah. I saw, and I really respect him uh, for for having that honesty. Because you know, it's like often I think people end up in the situation where founders sort of don't kind of have that honest um, uh, uh, discourse. Yeah. I think, I think when I reflect back on what happened, though, it was by far the best thing that could have happened because you, you, you use the term all in. And I think that's so, you know, when you have a business like it, it's just being in love with the business is kind of the thing that drives that business forward. And I think, you know, for me, I was just so in love with what we were doing and he wasn't. So that was absolutely fine. And I think, you know, I reflect and go, well, actually, that was it was brilliant that it kind of happened, but it was, it was painful for a few months, as you say. Yeah. And it can happen. You know, I, I know friends that have been through this and they're a decade in or three years in. So in some ways it is better that it happens. You realize early, uh, but you know, whenever, whenever those conversations come up, I think you just need to check in with each other fairly regularly and just be like, you know, is this from a lifestyle perspective, from a day to day working environment perspective, like, you know what you still want and what you're excited about and and yeah. having those conversations even if it's just once a year is is quite healthy no i i agree so then you you, you basically found yourself as the the kind of sole sole founder of the business yeah. and then you kind of look look to push it forward so you know kind of what happened from there did you did you you know i guess it's kind of key things like you know how are you approaching things like business development um how are you starting to grow the team uh you, you know what were sort of some of the the, the kind of the, the things going on yeah yeah so it's funny you mentioned business development because that was the biggest thing you know I was uh content's my specialism I'm an introvert and I'd never sold anything before and that that was kind of what Ewan did Ewan's um that's that's his expertise so I had to learn how to sell how to sell, um, which has been, you know, and I'm still on that journey now, kind of three years in. Um, and and that, that was a fantastically steep learning curve. And I'm really proud to go through that. And we actually, you know, we have a full-time commercial manager now, so that, that's brilliant. But I think it was really important for me to go through that and work out 
to tease out what our product set should be, who we're aimed at, what the marketing should look like, like to really put in those hard yards, just going out there, trying to basically sell to survive. You know, that, that was the position I was in. If we didn't sell anything, that we were cooked. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess as a, you know, that you use the word introvert because, you know, I guess people, there are people who are introverts and actually sales, which involves going off and putting yourself out there in front of people must have been quite a tough thing to do to begin with. Yeah, I think you, over time, you, you just sort of get over it a little bit. You know, it is like, you know, I, I used to really struggle with public speaking as well. And I still, you, you'll probably hear it in my voice a little bit at the start of the pitch final next week in the first few minutes. But, you know, you, you just keep doing these things and practicing and, and slowly you learn and you iterate and you talk to a lot of people that have been through it. You know, both founders and also, you know, my friends that are salespeople have really helped kind of talk me through those processes and get build my confidence. And then eventually, you know, you sell some stuff and it sort of snowballs. So... Yeah, and I think it's the it's the the fantastic feeling you kind of get when you actually do sort of sell stuff. Kind of feeds back in, doesn't it, in terms of helping through that process. But yeah, look, I mean, again, you, you know, I I I over the years have had to learn how to be a better public speaker as well. You know, it's not something that ever came easily to me. Um, but you know, it's just one of those things you kind of you do have to do, and you have to kind of get on with. So. Um, you know, again, it's it's interesting. So, so, so how? Okay, from sort of sales, as you kind of got more business in, were you then as a sort of, um, were you then growing the team as well, or you know, how did you go about that? What was sort of some of the the, the first, um, the the first sort of employees or team members that you had? Yeah, so I I started with a number of contractors, like regulars. And I've always, you know, as a freelance journalist for a long time, so I always tried to treat them really well and kind of knew kind of what they were looking for, I guess. Um, yeah, so, so build it up that way. Hired my first employee after maybe two or three months. Um, right. And we're now sort of two and a bit years in, or two and a half years in, and we're a team of seven. So still small, but, you know, growing. And, and we still have that probably like 30% of our resource every month is contractors. And we've used that to allow us to scale up and down really fast. You know, so if we do get a project, we could, you know, we've been right up to sort of 100 delivery days this year in a month, uh, right down to about 30. So we do have that flex. And then over time, yeah, just building that that core team at the same time. Fantastic. And, and I guess, you know, um, in amongst all of this that you've got kind of work-life balance as well so you know again one of the things like my experience was growing a business whilst having five children and um you know <laughs> having to kind of balance balance that I don't think I always got it right but it's um it's uh, it, it you know I'm kind of interested how 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 you how you kind of manage that balance yourself so yeah, at times well, at times not. I think, you know, in that time I've had two children, so not quite as many as you, Dave. Um, <laughs> but, you know, certainly even two was, was tough. Uh, so I had the first one when I was running it as a side hustle and then I had the second about seven months ago. So, so you can probably tell by the bags under my eyes. Um, I think actually, yeah, I mean, in some ways the, the family side of it is um, sort of given me like a, a healthy natural constraint like I work from nine till six every day um, and it can right. very occasionally I work after the kids are in bed or the weekend but I really try and keep that to a minimum because I just feel like 
the reality is once you've done 40, 45 hours a week, there's not much more you can give at a high standard. Um, you know, I think people kid themselves when they work like late into the evening that what they're producing is, is really very good. You know, the moment you step out of that 40 hours, it's, it's uh, diminishing returns. Um, but yeah, I'd say, you know, the, the kind of, been all right for the last four weeks, but the, the toughest time I've probably been through was the two or three months before that, where my little girl, my littlest wasn't really sleeping and there's some lots of stuff going on in the business. We're growing fast, trying to work out the team, you know, and all of that stuff at the same time. And yeah, it was just tough. You know, I was getting very close to burnout, but I think when you get there, you've, you've just got to be self-aware enough to realize and, um, and, and start taking like practical steps to, to sort of pull yourself back before it gets too bad. Um, I, I think it's so, you, you're absolutely right. It's really critical. I mean, I think, you know, actually having a responsibility to yourself to kind of know that this stuff's going on is, is super critical. I mean, one of the things I had was a very supportive team. So, you know, when I said I've, I've got to go back and I've got to pick up the kids from school because it's my turn, you know, there was never, never any question that that wasn't something that, that I, I should 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 be doing um but it, it it is really tough I mean I love the I love the sort of the rigor of sort of your nine to six I mean it still sounds like a still sounds like quite a long day but I I mean you're right though because you know I know you're probably not doing as much kind of content development but that sort of just the con doing content is 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 exhausting in its own right isn't it so you know, giving yourself time to kind of get your brain back to work, I think is, um, or time off is, is really critical. Yeah, you're right. A anything creative is tough, but just running a business generally is exhausting. So, and, and one thing that might help if you're kind of in that, that space I was, you know, first couple of years, um, I, you know, you always want to be thinking about as a, as a business owner, like what share of time is, is delivery and what is kind of working on the business. And that should go down. Like the quicker you can get it down, the faster you're going to grow. And that, that's kind of like the practical stuff you can do to free up your time and, and, and get a bit healthier is, yeah, just start, just stop doing the delivery basically. And I still am writing, you know, a decent amount, but I've really tried to step back, particularly in the last six months. Well, I mean, you're right. So in terms of growing a business, I mean, you've got to rely on other people to do take the strain around all of these things and work out the kind of mix in terms of who does what. But you can't you can't do everything all at once, you know, and I think it's, um, you know, it sounds like on the sales side of things with a commercial person in that that's you've got someone who can kind of help handle that but I'm sure you're sort of still involved in that you know so very involved yeah yeah I think you're just looking for people that are when you're small you've got to be really careful about who you bring in and they've got to be kind of like dependable self-starters because you just can't carry anyone that's the tough thing like you know my, my head of content cat for example has just been amazing and you just you just can you know when you can rely on people like that it, yeah it allows you to free yourself up a bit yeah, it's it's really because I I always said when I when you know my because I had an agency before when it was small I always said to people that you you realise you're jumping in at the deep end and yeah. whilst I can support you you you, you know it's never going to be the same level of support as you'd get in a kind of in a large organisation I 
my expectation is that you can kind of survive on your own, you know. So, you know, it's kind of quite a different dynamic, I think, in, in smaller businesses, where, as you say, you do have to rely on people. So, you know, often the biggest challenge is, is actually finding the right people to sort of um, to, to join the team, you know. And it's like a, I think it's a bit like a Swiss army knife where you're just adding implements the whole time but you need to kind of work as a collective and um you know that that's quite quite a difficult ask in its own right isn't it yeah absolutely and that metaphor is perfect the swiss army knife thing but you, you know you can create amazing opportunities for people because they have a lot of freedom and they can uh take a lot of responsibility on but like you say you just have to make sure that everybody going into it is aware you know and that goes for any type of startup you know it's a very unique beast in those first you know, unique environment in those first you know, three, four years. But yeah, the, you know, again, the contracting things really helped because it allows you to test people out. Like, so half of the people that are employees now started as contractors. And I'm a big fan of like giving people, you know, even when we hire direct, we give them tests and we, you know, we pay them to do a little bit of work effectively as part of the recruitment process. No, it's, uh, that's that's kind of really that that's a great way of kind of doing things. Well, listen, I think um, we're going to have to wrap up. So um, good luck with the pitch next week, and um, you know I'll be looking out for for the winners. Um, but thank you so much for your honest view on sort of Inkwell, and uh, I really look forward to kind of seeing how things develop for you over the next few years. Thanks, Dave. It's been really cathartic, and uh, yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to Pep Talk today, powered by The Purposeful Project. If you found it interesting, please give us a review and follow us. In addition, you can sign up to our website and get loads more free entrepreneur knowledge, as well as get access to Pep Talk and The Purposeful Project podcast direct in your inbox every week.